Okay, so we got a lot to get into today, and a lot of it is going to revolve around what we heard slash saw yesterday uh, on this program uh, specifically, and that was the press conference with Jim Rutherford um, and all the fallout from it. Now, I know a lot of people have already had a good whack at this piñata. A lot of ink has been spilled, digital uh, or otherwise. But uh, a couple of things that I want to that I want to mention here. We'll talk about this more with Elliot Friedman in a couple of seconds, and talk about things like the impending return of Evander Kane to the Ed. Edmonton Oilers as they face off later on this evening against the Seattle Kraken. We should talk about their streak coming to an end at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Speaking of Tampa, we'll talk to Dave Randorf a little bit later on. In the meantime, the Rutherford press conference. So the um, the big headline is the big headline is major surgery, not minor surgery, um, and a couple of headlines falling from that as well. Uh, what they're looking for is 25 and 26-year-olds, and I hate to break the news to everybody, but those like, teams don't make those types of players uh, available with any consistency, and the ones that they do generally tend to be reclamation projects and generally tend to be you know, players that haven't worked out um, for that team. So if you're basing your retool as Jim Rutherford likes to call it if you're basing your retool on those types of players you might be just basing your retool on a couple of gambles or failed projects the Bo Horvat stuff was interesting essentially saying that Bo Horvat has priced himself out uh, meanwhile from the Horvat camp I would imagine hearing that they would say well they had money for Besser they had money for Miller they had money for Mikheyev but all of a sudden, my client has priced himself out. The Bruce Boudreaux stuff, and there's one thing that I want to get to here in a couple of moments. The Bruce Boudreaux stuff was pretty obvious. And you might look at that and say, look, that is a matter of semantics. And Rutherford is is covering himself. And, you know, technically, he's not wrong. You know, Bruce Boudreaux is their coach right now. Um, you know, <laughs> true. Uh, he is the coach right now. Um, but he also said that he has been talking to people and, and other candidates about this going back uh, quite some time. So I think a lot of this is what we sort of expected from Jim Rutherford. It's not something that you normally hear from someone in his position. Like there are a lot of you know managers, for example, Rutherford exists above that, but there are a lot of managers that would be incapable of having that press conference. Rutherford is not one of them. Like I don't think Patrick Alvine, who's technically the GM of the team, could have had that press conference. Um, but Rutherford is one of the rare managers slash directors in the game that can have that one and have the gravity that goes along with it. There was one moment in the press conference that I kind of said, ah, that's a little bit out of bounds. Like, I can understand a lot of the other things that he was talking about, how he was positioning it, how he was phrasing it. I did like, by the way, the fact that you know he called down the comms director and said, these people have questions, I'm going to stay here and answer their questions. Uh, because we do know that Rutherford, A, likes to spar, B, likes to talk, and C, isn't afraid to share information and perspective um, with reporters. The one part that I really didn't like is when he said glibly, I thought we were tanking. It's been a really hard season for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't think Bruce Boudreaux is coaching to tank. I don't think those players are playing to tank. That one is that one is a dagger. That one is an insult. Again, we come back to Bruce Boudreaux and how you'd like to, to live 24 hours in his shoes coaching this team. 
um, where the various interviews that Rutherford did at the beginning of the season seemed to undercut him at every step of the way. Uh, even the interviews where he talked about last season and said, ah, we weren't really that good. We were just propped up by the goaltending. Is there an element of truth to that? Yes, but it's a real undercutting of the team and a real undercutting of the coach. I thought we were tanking is a direct insult to Bruce Boudreau. And so far, so far it is commendable that Bruce Boudreau hasn't volleyed back that Bruce Boudreau hasn't fired back to someone that's undercut him publicly over and over and over again. In a lot of ways, what we're seeing with Bruce Boudreau is kind of a lesson in Buddhism more than anything else. He doesn't fire back. He just endures. He refuses to inflame. He refuses to play in that arena He just endures. You know, the old saying, you will not be punished for your anger. You will be punished by your anger. Uh, Or the other cliche, uh, the Buddhist saying, which goes along the lines of anger is a punishment we give ourselves for the mistakes of others. Anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. We all know where this is headed. We all know that Bruce Boudreaux is not long to coach the Vancouver Canucks. But along the way here... Bruce Boudreaux is really giving us a lesson in patience and endurance and not playing in a negative field despite how many darts are fired his way, namely from people in his own organization. Let's get the show started here. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It is a lesson in basic Buddhism as displayed by Bruce Boudreaux, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. With that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Um, Friedman, that was a whopper of a press conference yesterday by Jim Rutherford. We're going to get oh, into a whole, whole bunch of different things here. Yeah, it, it really was. And there was a lot of, there's a lot on the vine there to get into. The, the one thing that really bothered me. And there was a lot that I liked. Like, I, I think it's refreshing to hear press conferences like that where someone in Rutherford's position is, you know, makes himself available, calls down the comms director and says, no, I'm going to answer all these questions and does his, you know, does his best to do so. The, the one line that really bugged me, and we all think back to Saturday and I show up every day to work and I keep going to keep coming until they tell me to stop, was when Rutherford yeah. said, I thought we were tanking. And... If I'm Bruce Boudreaux and I'm seeing that, like, how many, how many more darts, how many more daggers, and I, I am really, I really do commend Boudreaux because he won't engage, he won't fire back, he won't make this a a public flaming. Uh, I know that every person has their line, but I'm really impressed yeah. that Bruce Boudreaux has been as restrained as he is because there's enough ammunition there for Boudreaux to completely fire back at Rutherford. We all know where this is headed anyhow. I just really, uh, of everything that we heard yesterday, that was the one line that stuck out to me, Elliot, that I really didn't like. What did you, what did you think of it? Well, you know, to be honest, Jeff, I didn't think that was a shot at Boudreaux. I think that was a shot at everything. Like, I didn't take that one as a direct shot at Boudreaux. Like, like, and to be honest, like, I think, look, like as I wrote this morning, um, you know, you can't, bitch as a media member that people give you cliches all the time and then when somebody goes up and gives you a media conference like that say well it's too honest you shouldn't be saying stuff like that we can't have it both ways it's got to be one or the other and as a member of the media i'll take the blunt honesty a thousand times out of a thousand uh that particular line i don't think that was 
like like I generally agree with you. I don't like what Boudreaux has been put forward and put through here. Uh, I, I I've been pretty clear about that both Saturday on Hockey Night and in the podcast and and what I wrote. But um, I, I I think that I didn't perceive that as a shot at Boudreaux. I think that was perceived as a shot as the overall performance of the team. And you know I'm curious to see today. You know, does Boudreaux say anything? As you said, he's taken the high road. But the players, too. Like, if, if I was a player, that comment would have, given, would have given me a slow burn or maybe not so slow one. Mm. But, you know, I, I didn't take that as a direct shot at Boudreaux. I took that as a direct shot at the overall situation. Uh, again, that does extend to players as well. Players don't play to tank. Coaches don't coach to nope. tank. I, I've talk, nope. you've talked to managers about this as well. That, at that level, there is no, there is no tanking. Right? Tanking doesn't go down to the bench. Tanking happens nope. above by who they put on the bench and who they get rid of. Like That's, that, that's, where, that's where tanking te- takes place. Um, yep. But it, it was a fascinating com- conversation as well. And you know the, the headline coming out of it, major surgery, not minor surgery, yet we want to keep the core together, um, yet we only want players that are between 25 and, and 26 years old. Listen, Elliot, as you well know, teams don't let those players go. It's rare that someone in their prime gets let go uh, by an NHL team. There are some players where it just doesn't work out and they end up going. um, And we've seen those. But there are more that fail uh, than succeed. What did you take away from that idea of we need major surgery, we want players, but we want younger players, knowing full well that teams just don't let go of those guys, Elliot? Well, what what it took for me is that um, Bruce Boudreau was sending a message that uh, if you have something you want to talk to us about, call us about it. Um, and that, and he said we're working on it every day. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think that look, there. What that said to me is like you and I have both thought they're going to take one more run at Horvat. Rutherford basically yeah. said yesterday, yeah, we could do that, but we don't think it's going to work. Like, mm-hmm. they, 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 like, he basically said that they consider this season an outlier and they're not raising what they've offered based on this year, or at least not raising it to what the market value is, which is at the very least an $8 million player, at the very least. And so uh, that's one change they're going to make. But I think, you know, I, I think the pot, like, like I, I would have never thought that a guy like Demko would be available. And now I wonder, once he's healthy again. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have never thought that a guy like Hughes could potentially be moved. And I still think it's unlikely, but for the first mm. time, I think it's possible. Like, they've made it pretty clear. Like, the only guy they're not going to consider is, is Pedersen. And he said yesterday he's not worried about Pedersen's future. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 look, like, the thing about... Ah, we got to get Elliot back. He just dropped out on his Opal app. There, 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 is, there is a lot there. Um, the, the, the one thing that, you know, when Rutherford talks about, 
you know, he uh, Bo Horvat having this career year and they don't have money available for someone having a, a year like Horvat. You know, I can almost hear that camp saying, well, isn't that exactly what you did for JT Miller? JT Miller had the career year last season, still had one more year left on term, and you signed him to a deal based on that last season. Financial terms that are sympathetic with what he did last season. Again, coming back to this idea of you're prepared to do this for everybody except the captain. I think that's what really sticks in the craw of uh, of Horvat. It, it will be interesting because, as Elliot mentions, and I mentioned this on Saturday as well, I, I, I do think that they'll at least try one more time. to. I mean, this is your captain after all. You don't just, you know, January 16th, all of a sudden, like yesterday, January 16th, say, well, we've done our best, our best offers on the table, and now it's, you know, full steam ahead for the trade deadline. I, I still think they do try to go back to him one more time. Will it be? Will it bear any fruit? Will it be futile? Does Bo Horvat want to go back to this? You know, there is an old saying: if you let someone get close enough to free agency, they're going to at least see what's on the other side. Does Horvat feel that he's close enough to see what's on the other side? I mean, he has a very veteran agent in in Pat Morris who reads the landscape and knows what next season is going to look like and the season after and the season after, etc. And even though we don't expect the salary cap to rise much more than perhaps $1 million next season, there will be a significant bump, and Rutherford referenced this in yesterday's press conference. There will be one coming up in a couple of years here, and he wants to make his client prepared for that. So I think that those plans are already well underway and those conversations have probably been had between the agent and the player. But again, it it comes back to they put a priority on players other than their captain, other than this guy who's having this miraculous season, this guy who's trying to shepherd an entire team while he wears a C on his sweater through one of the more tumultuous seasons the Vancouver Canucks have had in the franchise's history where it seems like every week or every couple of weeks there's more rakes to step on and they continue to do so. At some point, we talked about stopping digging yesterday, at some point that has to happen and things need to move on. Um, And Rutherford essentially saying, we have a contract we believe is fair based on everything leading up to this season, but this is, as Elliot points out, the uh, the contract year and perhaps as Vancouver looks at it the outlier year. Hey Elliot, we got you back just just to pick up on that idea of the outlier year for for Bo Horvat and Vancouver yeah. not being in a position to react to it. You know, I can almost hear Bo Horvat's camp saying, "Well, isn't that exactly what you did for JT Miller? He had the one career season and got a contract based on those numbers. Why for him? Why not for our guy? That's the yeah, one thing you, that I you know away when I, I, I think that's about. I think that's totally true and it's totally fair. And if I was, if I was Horvat, I would be completely feeling that way. Like I have no doubt that Horvat is extremely disappointed by how this has turned out. And I think that honestly, what I believe happened is that last summer at the draft, I remember I said the day before the draft on, on your show, I believe Jeff, that, uh, Bo Horvat, uh, I thought was going to get signed in the summer. And I got a call that night from a couple of people and they were like, so you think Horvat's getting done? And I said, yeah, I do. The information is they're on their way. And then all of a sudden at the end of the summer, it hadn't happened. 
They hadn't talked to Miller basically all summer, and they pivoted and said, we're not going to be able to get Horvat done. We better get Miller done. I think they, I think they wanted to keep one of the two. I think they wanted to keep Horvat first. That was, that was their choice. But, you know, based and, and as, as, as Rutherford has said, they, they made an offer based on uh, what they thought the market was before Horvat before this year. And I still think that offer was potentially low and Horvat wanted to bet on himself. And they just said, look, like we don't think we can do, we can go with two guys unsigned. We have to keep one of them. And that's why we are where we are. So I understand that Horvat is disappointed. I think he is disappointed um, the way it's turned out. And I get it. I just think the Canucks felt they couldn't get him signed at the number they wanted. And they pivoted, and I think that's why we are where we are. You know, the other thing I was saying before I, I got disconnected was, Jeff, is that I remember when Craig McTavish was hired as GM of the Oilers, and he came in he said, we're going to make bold moves. And I remember him saying to me years later that, you know, it's not that he didn't want to make as many as uh, – it's, it's hard to. Like, this is a hard – I mean – it's a hard league to trade in, especially now with the cap flat and so many teams in LTIR. You've got to be careful. And, uh, like, like, I have to say, like, the thing about Rutherford is when he was GM in Carolina or he was GM in Pittsburgh, he was absolutely unafraid of doing stuff. But I think it's harder now because of the cap situation. Yeah, don't disagree. Uh, a, a couple of things there. I can remember talking to you in Montreal at the draft about Bo Horvat, but a lot of that was predicated on the idea, like we all thought that JT Miller was getting traded at the draft. Like we all thought that you know the, everything was, was hot on, on a couple of New York teams um, or the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like there were a number of teams rumored for, for JT Miller. Like we thought we were going to leave the second day in Montreal and JT Miller was going to have a different address and Bo Horvat was going to have a brand new contract. And when they couldn't get yep. the Miller trade done maybe that was the moment where they just turned and said okay we're not getting what we want we're gonna to your point pivot hard here re-sign him and then the gamble is going to be with Horvat um no I I think that's too soon Jeff I think that's too soon I don't think it happened until the end of the summer I think they uh, Mm -hmm. because the the Miller deal got done in the summer like fast really fast anywhere from like 48 hours to a week so I, I think that – I don't think the pivot was then. I think the pivot was as we approached September and got closer to training camp. Okay, so this story is not going away. All of it continues uh, and will continue well into the summer. And Jim Rutherford talked about buyouts and ways to free up cap space and maneuverability. And, you know, these are the, some of the things that he said when he took over the position. And, you know, it's, it's interesting in, in retrospect when, you know, when we looked at the Vancouver Canucks at the beginning of the season and said, wow, congratulations, you nailed the salary cap by a dollar. Uh, teams don't do that. What, what you know, marvelous work. I think the same thing probably would have been like, well, this wasn't the plan. You're supposed to have space. You're not supposed to nail the salary cap by a dollar if you're the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. We'll, we'll park the Vancouver conversation here uh, and shift gears and talk about the Edmonton Oilers and the impending return of Evander Kane. You know, we thought it might take waivers to get him through. That's not going to be the case. Um, your thoughts on the return of Evander Kane. And listen, not a moment too soon. We've talked about Edmonton getting pushed around a bit. 
uh, since uh, since Evander Kane has been out of the lineup. Klim Kofsen has tried to do things uh, about that. Other players have as well. But your thoughts on Evander Kane returning as Edmonton now faces off against the Seattle Kraken, who are trying not to start a losing streak, Elliot. Are, are we sure he's playing tonight? Because I got a note that the cap gymnastics might not let it happen. It, it sounds like it's a it's a combination of putting players on LTIR. I don't. No, think no, no. I, I heard that. I heard. I saw. I saw Frank's report this morning. That um, mm-hmm. I saw Frank's report this morning. And I do believe Yamamoto is going on LTIR, and Ryan Murray will too. Like I don't think Frank is wrong, but someone sent me a note today saying that it still might be too close. Like they might not, they're not sure they're going to be able to do it. So we'll see. Even if they put someone on waivers today, they won't clear by game time yeah. tonight. So, True. like, like I thought someone was going on waivers yesterday. I did, and when it didn't happen, I was like, okay, what's going on? And someone said there might be an injury, and then obviously we found out there is with Yamamoto. But someone sent me a note today saying it still might be too close. Like it's, I think it's still possible he plays tonight, but I, I heard it's not a guarantee. So, I mean, so we'll talk about it in hypothetics, Jeff. Um, sure. You know, we'll just say, you know, like he, you know, the, the thing about this that is good for Edmonton is not only you get the player, but very clearly Keane worked very hard to get back and be ready. You know, when he got hurt, you know, we were thinking all-star break right around there. And now he's going to get in a few weeks before the all-star break. It, it, it happens. So that says to me that this is a motivated player who wants to get into the lineup really badly. And I think any time you have, have that, it's a, it's a really good thing for your team. I'm just, I'm just searching for the note without trying to disconnect myself because, God, God we don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Although I'm sure it was a great break yeah. for the listeners. So this is the note I got. Um, uh yeah, someone just said to me that uh, it just depends on if there's – like, I think he's going to be able to play, but someone did say to me that there are some cap gymnastics to do here. Okay, well, park that then because we got about eight minutes left here. Bill Guerin's coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the Matthew Boldy contract and everything Minnesota Wild. In the meantime, there's a couple of things that I want to get to, and one of them is the Dallas Stars – And it's not just the Dallas Stars, it's the entire organization. We focus so much on how the big team is doing. How's the NHL team? Have you seen what the entire Stars organization has going right now, Elliot? The Dallas Stars are amongst uh, the type. They're 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 neck and neck fighting with the with the Winnipeg Jets, who have been a marvelous yep. marvelous story. Eight and eight and two in their last ten. Cole Perfetti's you know uh, chasing Matt Beniers here for the uh, for the Calder and, uh, and then the rookie points race, etc. So the Dallas Stars and Peter DeBoer is going to coach the All Star Game. The Texas Stars of the AHL are first in the Central, and the ECHL Idaho Steelheads are first in the league, 28-6-0-1. This is an incredible situation, not just for the big club, but the AHL team and the ECHL team. And then if you look at some of the prospects they have coming as well, uh, the scouts are getting their the, their their, uh, their their work done as well. And we think of Logan Stankoven and Maverick Brook, et cetera. 
this is kind of like a, a victory lap for the entire organization. Like, Elliot, they're hitting it at all three pro levels right now. This is one of the rarest things in, in hockey. Well, I, I think it's a good sign of where their organization is. There's no, there's no question about it. Um, I didn't realize that about uh, all their other teams. Um, you know, the only thing as I ever say about things like that is um, it, it's a good sign. It's a really good sign you're going in the right direction. But I'm sure, like, ultra-competitive guys like Peter DeBoer and Jim Neal and some of the players on that team are like, tell us where we are in June. And, uh, you know, that's the way I would look at things like that. I would think, you know, this is really good. It's a sign that we're going in the right direction. And I hope it continues. But I want to see what, where we are when it really matters. Um, I, I really like that team. <laughs> I think they've got a real nice blend of, of youth and talent. I, I really like the way they look. I got a chance to watch a lot of that game last night against Vegas. Uh, I really like them. Um, and the other thing, too, yeah. is, you know, I think Dallas was a team that always liked to play whichever way you want. You want to play rough and mean, we'll play rough and mean. You want to play skilled, we'll play skilled. But I just don't think they had the scoring to do it. And now I think they do. I, I, not only is it Robertson who's become one of the league's best players, but I, I look at some of the kids. The kids have given them a jolt of something that they really didn't have. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that Dallas team, before they wanted, they, they'd play you any way you wanted, but they couldn't always do it. Now I think they can, and that's a big difference. Uh, quick thought on the Boston Bruins. They win 6 nothing against the Flyers yesterday. Jeremy Swayman gets the start in his last seven. Uh, in season cup, I know. Congratulations, you grabbed it from Cal Bacoskis. I'm still waiting at 59. If anybody wants, yeah, to you know, I'm only 47 uh, days away from you, Jeff. I'm coming for you, buddy. I'm coming. <laughs> Ooh, um, yeah, I'm hearing footsteps, Fridge. Yeah, hearing yeah. footsteps. Like I, I um, can smell your fear through the radio line. I really can. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Swayman, last seven games. We we know that he had, didn't have a great start to the season. Lena Solmark has been the story in net there. Uh, 5-0 and 2 in his last seven, save percentage of 936 in his last seven starts. Uh, David Krejci with the 1,000 game mark yesterday. He's been, you know, just fantastic uh, for them. And, you know, Krejci afterwards says, I like the mentality of this team. The coaching change helped a lot. Uh, your thoughts on Swayman, your thoughts on David Krejci uh, vis-a-vis the Boston Bruins? Well, you know, I've always really liked... Um... Uh, I've always really liked uh, Krejci. I think, you know, there's all, there's always guys who are underrated. They can play for 15 years and never get the respect they deserve. I think he's one of those guys. I mean, you kind of get lost there behind uh, Chara and Bergeron and, and Marchand and Pasternak, but he's a great player. And I've told you this before, when I did a lot more ringside reporting, whenever we did the Bruins and we did the Bruins a lot, Krejci was a real go-to guy for me. I could ask him, you know, what are you guys thinking? What are you guys looking at? And he would always be able yeah. to explain it in a way that a moron like me could understand it. So I, I always had time for Krejci. Um, I, you know, a thousand games, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm really happy for him. I, I think he's a hell of a player. You know, the, the thing with Swayman, too, is like, um, you know, I mean, I, how can you not? Like, Philly was hot. They were coming in really well. Um, they'd only had one really, you know, ugly performance in the last little while, and that was the loss to Toronto. And Boston stomped them. Like, they absolutely stomped them yesterday. And uh, I, I just, you know, 
it's hard not to respect what the Bruins are doing. And uh, I, I like, look, they, I don't think they're going to, they're going to beat the Canadians win percentage. I just, the 77 Canadians, they're, they're like, they have such a lofty place in my brain from remembering watching them as a oh, yeah. kid. that I don't know anyone should be allowed to break that, but the fact that we're even talking about it, <laughs> uh, it's, it's yeah. pretty incredible, really. It, it is. Uh, it absolutely is. Uh, final thought, Sports in Ontario tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern, Maple Leafs facing off against the Panthers. Bad news for Jason yep. Robertson, or sorry, Nick Robertson, rather. Uh, Season-ending. Bad news for surgery. Jason, too. Um, uh, not great, not great. Um, Bobby oh. McMahon is in. No Sandine, no Holmberg as well. Your thoughts on what we see tonight? This is a Florida Panthers team that is desperately trying to gobble up points Pac-Man style. Uh, well, we're working that one tonight, Stewie, uh, Dave, and myself. So please tune in anyway. Um, I, uh, I I'm looking forward to it. I you know Florida has started to bank some wins. You know the thing for them is the math isn't good, right? Like uh, you've got you've got Pittsburgh there with games in hand and a huge win last night. Like that's a colossal bad loss for Pittsburgh if they they lose that one to Anaheim at home. And they came back and they, they found a way to get two points. Florida's in a spot where they can't give up anything else. There, there's no question about it. They can't waste um, anything. And uh, look, it's a, they're a desperate team. And they won yesterday. They got to win again today. It's 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 pretty simple. So uh, I, I thought the good news I heard from Florida was Paul Maurice that Anthony Duclair might be back before the All Star yeah. break. There's a chance now, all of a sudden. So I, I was really happy to hear that he. Really tough injury for him last year. Shot in the arm for the Cats there. Wish all the best for uh, for Anthony Duclair. Uh, okay, enjoy the rest of your walk. We will uh, watch for you tonight, and uh, I hope you play some visuals of of Saturday at uh, the Leon Center in in Kingston with uh, with Anthony and Chris and his uh, the numbers getting honored and uh, the families out there in the puck drop. That was uh, that was nice. Uh, happy for our guy Stewie. Uh, we'll be watching tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, Fridge. You know, I'm going to am going to tell Stewie that they raised Chris's banner a little higher because he was a little better player. Then I'm going to prepare for the incoming punch to the face. That's good. Tell him tell him that uh, they should have retired Chris's number, but only honored uh, honored uh, hit honored. <laughs> see how see how that goes over. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Just get him riled up before the show. <laughs> All right, Fridge. Well, uh, I, I think it's uh, better if I don't. Take care, bud. Yeah, I think it's better for your health. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, taking a break, uh, coming up on the program today, we'll talk to Brian Lawton of the NHL Network, former GM, former player, former first overall draft pick as well. Uh, the return of the random player of the day uh, coming up at the top of the hour. In the meantime, quick break, back with Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Did he just sign the next great value contract in the NHL with the Matthew Boldy deal? Bill Guerin on his latest signing next as America Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.